0: All right, what is going on out there, lacrosse fans, sports bettors alike? It's the perfect part of the year. It's like the lacrosse equinox, where we're just finishing up with NCAA. We got the NLL playoffs rolling on, and oh, yeah a little something called PLL that will be starting in just a few days time even though this group that we have with us today has been holding PLL tickets for like two and a half weeks now so uh, we we have been ready and raring to go from the jump for PLL I'm Dan Alexander I'll be your host for the evening and we got a full squad with us First, we'll welcome in Justin Byers, front office sports business writer, JB. Dude, the quarterfinals, like, I I just, you had a betting day that some people dream of. You, could, you couldn't you could step out of bed and not win a place or, or place a winning bet. Um,
1: what a day for you, my man. How's it going? You know, I can't complain one bit. Yeah, we're, we're coming off a strong weekend to finish off the college across the year. I had some fun. Luckily, we was able to get in a couple live betting spots, which I'm sure we'll have coming forward with the PLL. And, you know, hopefully we can take some of that momentum and, and bring it over to the start of something new with this PLL season. Now getting underway. way, it should be interesting.
0: We also got with us Hutton Jackson, Pro Lacrosse Talk host and Action Network producer. And Hutton, um, you know, if you had one of the most, like, frustrating national championship days ever because could have gotten home with a juicy future for Cornell could have laid it with Maryland but I was joking with you guys before you went on that was like the most competitive non-competitive game that we have seen between the Terps and uh and the Cornell Big Red but uh man how was your weekend how are you doing and I know you're excited for some NLL and PLL action right around the corner
2: yeah, that was a uh, it was brutal, um, brutal weekend overall. Gave out some some losers, unfortunately. Was all in on Maryland to cover. Looked pretty good for three quarters. Uh, I wasn't worried even when they went down one nothing to start. Um, you know, I I thought what I saw from them was a little sloppy to start and thought they'd come around. Their defense looked great and they ended up giving us one of their worst offensive days of the year. Um, only scoring nine goals. Offensive efficiency of around twenty percent, I think, was their worst. Um, The only other worst, which they also only won by two, was against Notre Dame. So we don't have to talk again about Notre Dame not being in the tournament, but that just tells you something. Uh, But overall, it was an enjoyable watch uh, for a Final Four weekend. And even though none of my bets hit um, on that Monday, it was still a fun time, and I'm ready for the PLL to get started. And also with us, we got
0: Brian Andrews, a Pro Lacrosse Talk contributor. And Brian, I wish that on Monday... When I was like, ah, you know, it's Memorial Day. Who wants to back an under on Memorial Day? When I was putting some dollars on the over, I should have listened to a little voice in my head that sounds auspiciously like Brian Andrews saying, play the under. Uh, So I wish I played the under, man. I could have used you in spirit, keeping me away from that over. That thing never even had a chance. Brian, how are you doing, my man?
3: Good, man. I had a really good end to the college Across season. Um, I kind of stayed away from most of what was going on for the final weekend because, you know, you never knew what was going to happen. And we got a super unlikely result. Uh, but, you know, speaking of unders, since live betting lines have really come in, uh, the live under has been a godsend for me. And uh, I was able to cash in on a live under for the championship, one of the semifinal games, and, and one of the uh, – you know, conference tournament games as well. So it's really like, I had a really bad march and those plays alone really helped me cash in uh, and come out kind of ahead going into the PLL season. So I'm I'm really excited to get that started.
0: Yeah, I, I can't wait either man I I couldn't be more pumped for the PLL to finally be here so um guys I I just want to start with a little bit you know we kind of alluded to it there with a little bit of a a championship recap you had Maryland at plus 550 um, just rolling through competition 18 and 0 straight up 14 and 4 against the spread but the last two games was when they finally didn't cover. So Hutton, you just kind of want to break down a little bit what we saw in the championship game and um, you know what, what we kind of saw the NCAA season as a whole. Because I personally, Hutton, I, I found it kind of hard to bet, man.
2: Yeah, I found it really hard to bet. Um, And, you know, personally, like, I I know I won't bring up Notre Dame anymore after this, but it would have been nice to have, you know, a Notre Dame ticket and one of those championships. I think it would have been a little bit closer spread, a little bit more interesting to see where the betting lied. But um, this championship was very interesting. It opened up at a seven and a half point line uh, with, uh, you know, obviously Maryland being seven and a half point favorites. Um, Then it moved to six and a half within 24 hours. Then it moved all the way down to six and then moved back up to six and a half. So clearly people liked back in Cornell plus seven and a half. Um, Still were kind of liking it at plus six and a half, but then money started to come in when they moved it to minus six and kind of went back up again. Um, But yeah, it was very interesting. Live betting was fun for the game, even though, you know, me me personally, I didn't get my bets to cash, but like the under, or the over was dead really early on. And we, you know, opened up at 26 and a half by the time the game got started, it quickly moved to 24 and a half, 23 and a half. I think it got as low as 21 and a half, maybe even 20 and a half late in the game. Um, so, you know, if, if you didn't get in on the under at the start of the game, you could have gotten in, you know, multiple times throughout um, because it was very, very low scoring. Um, but overall, yeah, I thought it was an interesting game, you know, at least there was a little bit back and forth despite, you know, Maryland leading for the majority of the game, there still was a little bit of drama. Um, so it made it interesting as a better, especially too, you know, you know, if you had if you liked like Maryland, they were up by a lot. It almost seemed like they were going to win even late when they were, you know, closing the gap a little bit. But if you were betting on the game, it was much more of a sweat, much more of a dramatic experience for you. So ultimately, yeah, I thought it was a a great championship. Um, Crazy, you know, if you guys got – in on Maryland at preseason at plus five fifty shows those tickets. I know one of our listeners, Brad, got in early, but uh you know, send us those screenshots, Pat yourself on the back. I never ended up jumping on it. I always thought the value was gonna come back up. um, and it never did, you know, and they opened the tournament minus two hundred, I believe. and then eventually you know we're minus the six fit or uh, minus six fifty, you know final four. Um, and then, uh, you know, in that championship game, they were heavy, heavy favorites uh, and the bookmakers didn't do us any favors too on those live money lines. They were uh, Maryland was like plus 12,500 at one point. And then if you wanted Cornell, uh, you know, thought they would come back, they were only plus 2,200. So they really, you know, as you say, Dan, definition of an FU line there didn't really want us to, to try to get away with anything, uh, whether it be Maryland or Cornell, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a good championship.
0: Yeah, I just think it's crazy when you have that high of a money line and then that low of a take back for the dog. It's just like, come on, guys. What are we doing here? It wasn't just the NCAA uh, championship that we had. You know, guys, I, I also want to get into um, NLL because I feel like, you know, field lacrosse fans may be a little bit frustrated with this overlap between the NLL and the PLL. But for me, and I think for us as betters, um i think this is like a major opportunity for us to maybe find you know some market inefficiencies we already did with being able to get in on the whip snakes as underdogs before there was a big line flip there they're all the way up to minus 190 so uh we're actually going to flip the order a little bit and go box before we head on out to the field because uh you, know, you were talking about it last week hunting about you know looking towards the mammoth and you know playing them as a dog and setting them up for the bandits. So um, Brian, I want to start with you and um, you know look forward to this NLL weekend as we got the mammoth and the bandits facing off. Um, did anything just jump off the board at you and are you surprised at either of these teams who ended up making it um, through the trials of, uh, of the NLL season?
3: Yeah, I'm particularly surprised about the resurgence of the mammoth especially since they went through a lot of the season as, like, sneaky good, just not quite on the tier of the top echelon of the Eastern Division. Uh, and then we were also seeing, like, late season rises from some of the teams right behind the Mammoth. So the fact that they were able to pull it together through the playoffs is, uh, is a testament to how much they've been able to adjust. And uh, they've been really fun to watch as of late, and they, and they like to play really scrambly lacrosse. That's kind of where they thrive. And they've shown that over the course of the past five or so weeks. Because of that, my uh, the thing that jumped out at me for the line for the first game is rather than pick a side, I'm going to pick a total. Shocker. But this time I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to go for the over 22 and a half, which is on DraftKings and I think also MGM. So you can price shop that line. Um, but the last time these two teams played, the Bandits and the Mammoth, another goalie juggernaut matchup. Mind you, the score was fifteen fourteen, which shouldn't be enough ammunition to pull the trigger. But I think that in addition to the mammoth liking to play scrambly, get up in transition, odd man situations, I also think the bandits really thrive in that type of scenario as well. And even though we have two really phenomenal goalies, I think we see a lot of back and forth. the the um, the The score can really rise, and we and we saw that in the first game of the Rock and the Bandits, and, and then we saw it in the previous matchup for the Mammoth and the and the Bandits. Um, so. I I, I think this could end up being a pretty high-scoring contest, and I think it's going to be an exciting start to the final series.
0: Hutton, what about you? How do you see this one kind of shaking out? Because I know you guys might be looking at this total a little bit different, and then as far as the side goes – you know, I think most people are expecting the Bandits to get it done from what we saw from them all year long, you know, routinely covering his favorites, um, you know, even in tough spots where they had two games or, you know, tough situations, they were always kind of rose up to the uh, to the occasion. So it begs to probably reign true that the Bandits are going to get home. But as far as, you know, from handicapping it from a series perspective, because it's not just a one-all game, you know, how are you kind of looking in game one, total sidewise and then just from a series perspective, um, do you find any value on potentially zigzagging other way? You know, if the bandits come back win game one, maybe coming back on a better price on Mammoth. Like like how are you kinda gonna attack it, Hutton?
2: Yeah, I so I'm leaning bandits here, minus one and a half, but because I already have a future on them at minus uh, I think it was minus one ten is what I got in at. Um I'm kind of just waiting to see, you know, I, the way I'm gonna play that is kind of maybe um See how game one goes, you know, before attacking. Really aside, so bandits minus one and a half would kind of be where I guess I lean if someone wants to bet that, and they maybe don't have anything else already um, in play. Um, and you can get that plus one hundred even money on Caesars. So you know, don't go to DraftKings or bet MGM where you have to lay some juice. You can get that even money on Caesars. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would see how it goes because you know, right now bandits are heavily favored. So I don't know if I would play them right now, unless you've already gotten in, I'd see how game one goes. Cause if the bandits lose, then, you know, like if the bandits win, they're not really going to, their odds aren't going to get really that much worse. Um, but you know, the mammoth might be longer odds Then if the mammoth win, they're still going to be underdogs in game two. Um, that's just a fact. So, you know, you're still going to be able to get them at a good price. So I think it'll be able to inform your opinion. You know, if the man with win, you're like, all right, they can hang, or even, at least hang with the bandits. You know, okay, they're going to hang with this team. Maybe I'll take a flyer on them, um, in game, you know, game two, or maybe just play them on the spread too. Uh, whereas the bandits win, you know, it it might just be better off to to kind of you know lay off or um or just I don't know, find other angles to play. Whether it's the total. Um, I know Brian and I kind of differ and. The total on this one, I I think Dylan Warren's going to show up to play. I know the Mammoth have kind of been letting in a lot of goals uh, recently, um, you know, and I know obviously they're facing a high-powered offense in the Bandits, but I kind of like this total at under 23-and-a-half. I wouldn't play it at under 22-and-a-half. It's a little too tight for me. Um, So I'm going to do a half unit on under 23-and-a-half, which you can get on Caesars at minus 115. Um, I know Brian likes the over, and it is more fun to to root for an over, obviously, but um, Matt Vince played really, really well the last game. He's going to be well-rested. I think Dylan Ward's going to show up. Um, I don't think Dylan Ward's too phased by having to go and playing on the road, Um, and obviously Bandit Land's a tough place to play, but um, I don't know. I, I have faith in this Mammoth defense to kind of keep it close, keep it interesting, even though I do think ultimately the Bandits win this game.
0: Yeah, overs are fun until you have one in the national championship game where there's like four goals scored. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with you, and ideally, what we see happen is 23 goals on the nose Hutton hits the under Brian hits the over and we all go home with a smile on our face I'm looking forward to seeing that game Um, I think again like you guys kind of broke down there I think these teams match up really interesting stylistically and while I haven't been betting the NLL like crazy especially you know when you you got nothing else on there's a a later in the night um, NLL has been a a great great um, you know just kind of boost and keeping lacrosse on the TV and then you have yeah spn plus already so now you can roll right into the pll just like we will right here we're gonna start with uh you know the 25s came out today the rosters came out today and there were some surprising moves um you know obviously with like players getting cut and everything but jb i think one of the biggest pieces of news was heading to the pup list is grant Ament. So that Archers team, a team that we all kind of eye towards is, you know, one of those automatic over teams just how they're able to drop it in the bucket. How much do you think Ament hurts for um, you know, a scoring perspective or even, you know, just a side perspective before we start getting into the game specifically, um the Ament news and then any other just kind of moves that stood out to you, JB?
1: Yeah, this great Ament news is is absolutely huge, especially to start the season. You want to have your quarterback back there at X Kind of operating the entire offense and team, in my opinion, Grant Ayman is the best passing attackman in the PLL. To have him not back there is—it's a huge blow, especially with things kind of. I mean, if you look at this Archer's offense, like some of these, some of these guys are a little bit older, and, and the fact that Grant's there and he's a young leader and he's—he's he's arguably one of the, the better attack, not only passing, passing, but in the in the complete picture, it's—it's it's a big hurt for the Archers. And I'm wondering
0: for you, Brian, too, you know, you, you kind of were talking before we were coming on about who the hell are the cannons even going to be having playing poll? Like there's there's there might have been more questions that have arose from the news of the twenty fives coming out than we actually have had answered. So I know that that one was one kind of a head scratcher for you. Um, you know, anything else as we head towards this PLL slate that just kind of stood out to you is they cut who or they moved? What?
3: Yeah, you know, the, the the Grant news is is not great for the Archers. We already talked about how they don't have – they aren't very deep in, in uh, the sense of having a lot of initiators. Uh, so I'm interested to see how Matt Moore might step up to potentially facilitate a role there as the more flexible person, new guy trying to find a role in his offense. Maybe he can step up in that kind of uh, capacity to still give Will Manny and uh, Marcus Holman those, like, uh, off-ball looks. Uh, or maybe they keep Schreiber at attack you know who knows uh, but I agree like you know seeing recent Eddie get let go when they when he was like a strength for the cannons on the faceoff wing and particularly since the cannons kind of struggled at, at the stripe that could be a disadvantage for them going forward uh it seems like they're opting for either you know three Fogos as opposed to their staple LSM or someone's gonna move up don't know who that is or what that's gonna look like but I think not having a consistent face-off identity could Could make for a rough week one. Um, Then, of course, like Randy Stotts, no one really knows what's going on with why he's in the player pool. There's a lot of really confusing moves. But, uh, you know, I think week one is just going to be a whole lot of chaos and teams trying to figure out uh, how their new units are going to kind of generate that chemistry for the for the long haul. Yeah, I think that's
0: one of the ways that I always attack sports, to start a season. You know, you see it so often in so many different leagues, and I don't think the PLL is unique in that sense, that sure, okay, you had the one week of training camp, but to start the season, you're almost looking at the first couple weeks as being somewhat of of a preseason, you know, just really teams feeling it out. And then there's teams uh, like the Chaos that'll have to feel it out and then completely refill it it out after they have some of these players return. So I know one of the biggest head scratchers for you, Hutton, was – Randy Stotts to the player pool because that was that was one of the reasons why we were potentially high on the Chrome early on in the year while some people were missing players was having a guy like Stotts, um, you know, with a bit of a chip on his shoulder to play. So any moves before we get into this whips and chaos and get uh, running down the slate here with some actionable info for the folks? Um, anything that just stood out to you from the, the big news releases of the day,
2: Hutton? Yeah, the Stots news is definitely a head-scratcher. Um, regardless of, you know, it sounds like Dylan Malloy's been playing really well at camp. Um, so not too surprised to see him earn a spot on that righty side at attack. Um, but I still think, you know, there's guys on that Chrome roster that um, you probably could have dropped in place of Stotts. You know, and we don't know if Stotts is completely healthy. We, we've we heard that he's completely healthy through, you know, that uh, Panther City was ready to play, given if they were going to have a chance at a playoff spot. Um, so, you know, we, we were led to believe that he's game ready, maybe, but still maybe he's not looking a hundred percent. Um, I know Joe Keegan said something about him looking a little bit rusty when someone asked, but to drop him to the player pool is still a head scratcher to me. I mean, I think, you know, even if he's not a hundred percent, Randy Stotts has trade value. He's clearly, you know, still a top player in this league. I know some people were saying, um, you know, they, they didn't think he was actually going to do that well in the PLL. Uh, I just wanted to point that he had 149 points in the MLL and I believe, um, I forget how many games It, it was like 80 games or something. Uh, I'll pull it up real quick here. Um, but, yeah, I I don't I just don't get why they would drop him, um, you know, even though, like, you know, there's a guy like Brendan Cavanaugh, no disrespect dispre- to him. He's a lefty. Clearly, you know, they have Logan Wisnowskis now. They can still move Peacock down to attack if they need to. Um, I don't understand why you keep him on the roster instead of Stotts. Um, Stotts had 149 points in the 41 MLL games, um, 86 goals. I'm sorry, 86 points in 25 games pre-PLL. So even if you're taking away his big season's Before the PLL and MLL were coexisting, um, he still did really, really well. So, yeah, definitely a head-scratcher for me. Um, I will say, though, all the moves don't really, I don't think, have a huge impact betting-wise for me, even the great aim at news. The great aim at news is a little worrisome long-term. But betting-wise, you know, they're facing the Chrome, who I think are still trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know if that really moves the line for me a little bit at any point. Um, I feel like if you like the archers before and now get the grand aim at news, you know, maybe you stay off, but um, you know, I, I still wouldn't like worry too much by that. Cause I still think they can win without them. And then on the Chrome side, you know, if you like the Chrome to cover, you know, this probably makes you feel a little bit better about mm-hmm. the Chrome, but I, I don't know if any of these moves, even stats getting dropped or grand aim at being out really, have a huge effect betting wise for me um, personally, but definitely interesting. You know, some shockers to digest before uh, Saturday night. Yeah, and for what it's worth, we'll get into the Archers game a little bit later because we're going to go in sequential
0: order here once we start getting into our game previews, which is going to be in just a second. But, um, you know, the, the Archers offense is kind of predicated on okay, lock down our best guy. And we'll still be able to hurt you three, four different ways. So I'm right there with you. I thought the exact same thing, Hutton, that I'm kind of hoping people overreact to that aim at Because not knocking the guy. I mean, let's be real. He's incredible. He's he's one of the best players in the league offensively. Um, and what he's able to do from an assist aspect, what he's able to do as a scorer. Um, you know, he, he's a human highlight reel. Don't get me wrong, but the Archers are just a human highlight reel. Like, like like. let's be real. If If one... Attackman is is really going to throw a cog in uh, in what they do. Um, then then they're not maybe as strongly built as some people may think that they are. So um, you know I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's it's it's. Bad news just because we don't get to see a scorer, and we obviously hope the best for Grant Ament. We hope he's back on the field just because, um, you know, as fans, we want to see the best possible players in action week in and week out. But from the betting perspective, that's the lens that we constantly look at things through here on Bet on the Cross. Um, from a betting perspective, the aimment injury could potentially set you up for having some really nice numbers on archers depending on how long that he um, that he you know is out if they look a little bit shaky when they face off against the chrome um, then, then you're probably going to be getting a better number in in week two um, so th- that's just the way that I'm attacking I think you made a great point there Hutton so let's get into it and a uh, four game slate so I kind of like these smaller slates from a betting perspective you can really dive in really dissect the uh, games but for me in week one I'm never really doing anything more than pizza money bets i say it every single year this is the let's learn week not to lie, I have probably more bets than I probably should have in week one, but it's just the excitement moving into it. So, guys, let's start with whips and chaos. And JB, I'm going to throw it your way first. We got the whip snakes as one and a half point favorites, up to one ninety on the money line, more expensive in some shops as well. We have a low total here of twenty two and a half, probably indicative of. Blaze Reardon being in goal, indicative of missing players for the chaos. Kyle Burnlord potentially being in a bounce-back season. So, as you look at this game, anything stand out to you as maybe something that merits a play. And just as far as, you know, it's going to be the first game of the PLL season,
1: I know you're pumped up for it, man. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And something on my mind here is is the total itself at 22.5. Like you said, it's a little low. And I'm willing to take the over here. I think this game is going to be a little bit more quicker pace than what we're anticipating. If you look back at last season, these both of these teams opened up against each other as well, and that game got to 20 goals. I think we'll be able to get maybe three more out of this one solely because the Chaos won't have their regular roster that they're accustomed to, which I think gives the snakes an advantage, but also will hopefully account for a couple more goals. So that's why I'm kind of eyeing the 22.5 here, going over... Th- with it, and uh, hopefully we'll get a fast-paced game. I, I know this this clock is going to be an issue, and maybe we'll see a new wrinkle there with the chaos. But hopefully, we can get this over at twenty-three. Yeah,
0: and also, you know, we're we're as a dais here all holding the best possible ticket you could have had on the whips. I mean, I have them at plus one and a half. I had to lay a little bit of juice, but that was before the news. All four of us have a whips minus 110 ticket. So there's nothing that I'm probably going to be placing on here outside of maybe some some player props. And I know, Brian, that's that's kind of the way that you're attacking this game, too, right?
3: Yeah, like we were saying earlier, like I managed to get in on the whips money line when it was minus 110, which is, you know, a great price considering the chaos personnel issues. I don't know if they're issues, but you know what I mean. Um, so I was looking at the props that actually Hutton suggested this to me, but I could help justify it a little and then we can get his take on it. Where we're looking at uh, Brad Smith's uh, point total, which is at 2.5, and we're looking at the over, which is uh, plus money or even money. And, uh, That looks particularly nice considering the fact that uh, he's playing attack right now in training camp, but we think that might be a permanent spot, not a permanent spot, but a spot during the course of the NLL finals, particularly because Zed Williams is out. Uh, So according to Joe Keegan, he looks like the best player on the field while he was out there on attack. So two and a half when he frequently reaches uh, two or three points in a game, you know, that seems like a really reasonable bet to place at even money
0: and Hutton I'll let you kind of uh, bolster the point there because it's a play that you're looking at I love playing Brad Smith overs every game it was posted over one and a half last season so they kind of you know ticked that up a little bit but he was a sneaky over player just because you thought of you know Zed Williams and you thought of Matt Rambo and you think of those like bigger names but Brad Smith as far as an impact player is a big time name for this whip squad and moving him down to attack makes him even more so. So you're
2: kind of eyeing towards that over on Smith too, right? Yeah, I am. Um, and I think, you know, a lot to what Brian has said about, you know, him moving to attack, I think's big. big. Um, even if he wasn't on attack too, you know, he's the type of player that he could score three goals, get a hat trick. He could also get three assists. You know, he's very versatile in the fact that he can distribute. He can also score, um, you know, from attack from the midfield. Complete player. Um, so, yeah, I really like it. Even money, I think, over two and a half is, is a great bet on Brad Smith. Um, and unlike, you know, we saw that Tom Schreiber starting on attack uh, for the Archers. I think that may be them just trying to see if they can get different looks. Maybe want to see what Will Manny can do running out of the box. Um, I'd be more surprised if Schreiber is running attack, I think he's probably more likely to be back at midfield when they, you know, play this weekend against the Chrome, whereas Brad Smith is something that I think, you know, with Zed being absent, I think it is going to stick. I think he is going to play an at attack um, and they can also have guys like Chris Eslani and run attack as well. But um, I, I think Brad Smith, uh, you know, it, it, for, for me, it's like him playing an at attack just makes this a better play, but I feel good about it. Even if he's running out of the box, playing from the midfield, just because of his versatility.
0: Yeah, and kind of tying in with the way that you guys are breaking down Brad Smith, the only prop that I added to my card was I'm I'm doing the square pick and I'm going over three and a half on Matt Rambo. Yes, it's high. Yes, I know what's going to happen. He'll have two goals and one assist, and then I'm going to be bitching on next week's show. And I have already accepted that here in week one. But I just think – A lot of people might look at that number and say, oh, now that Zed Williams is out, you know, that that's that's going to hurt him now. They're just going to really be able to key in on Rambo. Well, guess what? You can key in on Matt Rambo and he can still bull dodge you like a brick shithouse that he is. So I'm fine with, you know, eating a little bit of chalk, um, you know, being a little bit formulaic and square Um, week one. He's playing the team that knocked him out last year, that beat him in the championship game. He didn't have the best NLL season from a win perspective. You know, He he's going to be coming out pissed off. Give me Matt Rambo over. That's the square pick of the week for you guys. Give me the over three and a half in, uh, on Matt Rambo's point total in that one. Let's keep rolling, boys, and I'm just going to throw it your way again, JB, because my best bet, comes from this game and that's redwoods as they're taking on the atlas atlas one and a half point favorites total 24 and a half jb floor is yours. side total or are you going
1: prop action in this one you know i I looked at this game pretty hard and i didn't see anything that really stood out from a a total or spread standpoint so i kind of dove into the player props here and i want to go with maybe an unpopular pick because we're we're talking about arguably the best player of the game right now. But I'm taking the under four and a half points for Jeff T. And the reason why is this Redwoods defense. We we know what they're capable of and adding Arden Cohen even adds more of a wrinkle a to that to that problem that they are. So I think we'll see a slower paced game like the Redwoods love to play. And I I have a lot of faith in Timmy Troutner. You know, he's he's shown he's a capable goalie and and hopefully he could steal a couple saves against Jeff T. I think four, four and a half is a little high. I do kind of agree that if it were three and a half, I'd be kind of leaning towards the over or maybe not even touch it. But the fact that it is so high makes me feel comfortable taking the under here at four and a half total points for Jeff T. And, and partially the reason, and I love that handicap, JB, because that's the way that I would
0: look. This is a sheer pass or play on the under on Jeff Teat because the reason why it's sitting at four and a half is that because you go one tab over on DraftKings, you see that he's the odds-on favorite to be the MVP. So, you know, narrative, narrative, narrative. He's going to start off, he's going to start off hot. Well, he's playing against one of the best defenses in the league. They're playing against a team that loves taking the air out of the ball. So that's the way that I would be looking, too. Um, you know, the way that he kind of breaks down that Jeff Teat situation is kind of plays into how you're attacking this game, Hutton.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I agree with him. I feel like, you know, you can't say enough about these offenses. They got better. Um, you know, obviously, adding Chris Grave to the Atlas is going to be lethal or whatever. I just still think that these defenses also got better this year. You know, um, we're seeing... Ryan Kennedy, a D3 guy, um, performing for the Redwoods. Um, They also got Cohen, as you guys mentioned. Um, And then the Atlas, they added some guys. Another D3 guy, Max Wayne. Uh, Joe Keegan says he looks like a starter. They added Kobe Smith in the draft. Uh, Michael Rexroad's back. Tucker Durkin's back. Caterin Rathforce is back uh, Craig chick is back. Like these defenses are good. Um, and we're even here in the Redwoods offensive middies are getting runs at defense. I think these teams are ready like to face each other. And I think it's going to be a really grind out game. I think it's going to be a battle at the stripe between Trevor Baptiste and, uh, TD Erlen, And I think that really plays into an under here. Um, so I'm going under 24 and a half. Um, again, I, I know how high scoring these two offenses can be, but, Um, You know, I think what JB said, too, in in terms of it being a slower game and the the Redwoods liking to play a slower game, um, I just don't see this total going over 24-and-a-half. And Um, and if you don't like the under, then maybe just, you know, passing the play. I think it's risky betting the over here just because uh, I just don't think these teams are going to let – either of each other get on a run. I would be surprised if you see uh, any three or four goal runs. Now, sure, there are the the two-pointers that could come into play with the Redwoods. Atlas obviously have some threats from two-point range as well. But um, like we said, these these defenses are top in the league, and uh, I'd be surprised if this goes over. So I'm taking under 24-and-a-half. I'd probably even play at the 23-and-a-half, but really like it at 24-and-a-half.
0: What about you, Brian? Are you attacking this from a prop perspective? If you're just eyeing that total, I mean, your middle name is under after all. Is this just, you know, kick your feet back, <laughs> hope for the under, and let's see some good defense and good net mining.
3: I'm, I'm on the same page as Hutton. And to kind of bolster his point, uh, we talk. We always talk about the Redwoods and kind of their lack of transition. Joe Keegan put out uh, a stat a while ago that they have three times less transition than the, the – like the next closest team in the PLL. They're very much a, a beat your matchup kind of guy. And, and when you look at the Atlas defense, like we don't typically talk about them as the best defense in the league, but you, when you talk in field about, you know, beating a defense, you kind of attack their short stick defensive midfielder midfielders and the Atlas are not only skilled there, but also deep. So I think that the lack of the Redwoods offense, the skill of both defenses and uh, particularly the, uh, the skill and the strength of the Atlas short-stick defensive midfielders are gonna make it are gonna make it particularly hard for the Redwoods to beat their matchups and score a lot of goals in quick succession. Not to mention uh, the fact that, you know, TD and Baptiste are gonna make it kind of a scrap at midfield. So I think I think any chance for teams to kind of run away is is very low. Uh, but even looking like league wide, if we look at just like totals from last year and stuff like that, 24 and a half is actually a high total in this league. Uh, It's right at the edge of the distribution where you start to see more unders on average than overs. And also, we kind of have to remember going from college to PLL that the game actually shortens from 60 minutes to 48 minutes. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that. So I like I agree with Hutton. I think this is going to be a really uh, grindy game. It could be sloppy because it's the first week. Uh, So if the offenses are moving slow and there's a little bit of sloppiness there, you know, it could be a really low-scoring, you know, one-goal contest, which is kind of what I'm hoping for from an excitement standpoint. But I, I don't really see them getting to, uh, you know, twenty over 25 goals. If, if this loses, I see it losing by the hook at worst.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a good look both ways. That's why, I, really, in this game, I'm probably staying away from any of those player props. I Maybe back some unders. I mean, I think for what it's worth, Pinnell's over at three-and-a-half. Could be worth a look. I think Miles Jones too, but it's just such a guessing game um, with which one of those guys is going to go off. Maybe it's just both of them, and you know nobody else really you know answers the bell there, but. Um, it's a sheer stay away for me in this one. I do have a best bet on the side coming up that I'll give to wrap the show, but we'll keep on rolling here. Water Dogs taking on the Cannons. Water Dogs, one and a half point favorites, taking on the Cannons, and they total in this one 24 and a half. Now, I know it's against the Cannons, guys, but um, going through the PLL betting report, that Brian Andrews does a terrific job. He and Parker Blake pinstakingly going through the games, tracking, uh, you know, totals, tracking um, sides, money, Lines, All that it's a resource that I legit cannot, you know, start to look at any of these games without checking that out. You can drop us an email or, uh, you know, slide into the DMS if you'd like to see if you can get some access to that because it truly is a terrific tool. But digging back into that, despite the fact that water dogs were the one seed and, you know, really coming on at the end of the year on some books, they're the odds on favor to win the title they were only favorites twice last year and they were one and one in those games as favorites on the spread against the spread. So, you know, tread lightly. This is, this is, you know, a lot of excitement around this water dogs team. However, it's a team that um, hasn't lived in this role very often. So even with that, I know Brian, um, you're saying, I don't care if they lived in this role or not, they match up well against the cannons,
3: right? Yeah, I, I think in particular, uh it's a it's a very like matchup specific pick where uh I don't think the cannons really improved in a lot of places where they were slightly deficient last year, uh, particularly in the in the defense against midfielders, uh, where the Water Dogs is kinda like their specialty where they dodge from the midfield a lot, draw a slide, you know, Ryan Brown's, you know, on the opposite side for a skip, and then it's a it's a righty, you know, corner shot. So I, I think that the cannons don't have the answer necessarily for the Water Dogs' offense, and and then particularly getting rid of Reese Eddy. Um, I don't really know how their you know up top defense is going to look outside of uh, Zach Goodrich, or how how well it's going to jive with the rest of the moving parts of the team. Um, and then particularly at the stripe, as we were as I was like mentioning earlier when I was talking about Reese Eddy, uh, the Water Dogs really have a, a face off unit that they have figured out their strategy. And I think since they could potentially dominate at the stripe against a team who has traditionally suffered at the stripe, uh, there's a potential for the Water Dogs to kind of pull ahead. And if they only need to pull ahead by two and they do that, you know, great. So I'm going to take the Water Dogs minus one and a half here.
0: I know, JP. When we did our little preview show when the lines first dropped, you said I'm getting the Water Dogs at one and a half against the Cannons. Give me that. Have you doubled down on that, my guy, or you're just holding on to that ticket and hoping to cash it?
1: Yeah, I actually did double down. Now that you say that, and I don't know if that's I knew thing. you did. That's why I yeah, asked. I you knew your me. ass double down. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but I think it's I think it's a good move because I have a lot of faith in the water dogs this season. They're my favorite heading into this thing. And I think they hopefully start the, the season off on a strong note. And and looking at this this Canons roster that got released today, it's it's very underwhelming in my in my opinion. I noticed a couple things that were a little iffy. They've got Ashton running through the midfield you look at their attack, it's not really that strong outside of Thompson. So, I'm a little worried for this this Cadence team, honestly. I don't know if they're going to be able to even really find a footing early on the season. So, I'm all on the water dogs in this one.
0: Yeah, I know Hutton Jackson has a best bet coming in this game. So, we'll just roll right on into our next game because it's the same look that i'm kind of looking towards so we'll save that stay tuned for our best bets coming up right after our final game preview here let's get right into this archers and chrome game and since i skipped over you hutton i'm starting with you here two and a half point favorites are the archers a savvy betters thanks to brian under andrews was uh getting in on the archers getting two and a half goals so we're holding on to a pretty nice ticket setting up a pretty nice middle total in this one 23 and a half um anything outside of
2: that sweet ass ticket we got that you're eyeing hunting i'm not really eyeing much in this game because you know like i said we had already gotten that archer plus two and a half i'm um, probably gonna wait and see if i can get chrome at a better price at plus two and a half or even at plus one and a half to hedge um you know so if like they're getting you know, plus one and a half and it's even money or, you know, a little bit better juice than I might hedge with that. Um, But overall it's a pass. I think what I'll say is again, like I mentioned with Amon, I just don't think aimant really does enough and I am hoping maybe the market overreacts a little bit to that. Um, You know, the, the archers too, like a lot of the things that issues I would have with the archers in this game, are maybe, you know, is Justin anasio really going to perform well? You know, he's looked good in training camp, um, but you know, questions at the stripe have been been in the past, but they're playing Connor Farrell, not the best face-off guy either. So I don't think it's that much of an edge Chrome defense. I think is going to be better in this game um, than they have been in years past, but it's going to take them some time to work out the kinks. Um, so the Chrome are just the team that I think after I see how they do week one could be a, team that i want to bet as underdogs but i'm just not willing to do it just yet um so overall that's my my like long way of saying i'm passing on this game um but look at some player props maybe look at you know i think shriver's is heavily juiced but you know maybe look at his over player prop wise um especially if grant's out but overall um, i'm I'm gonna hope and just to kind of watch and see how this game plays out and it's kind of you know in part because i do already have archers plus two and a half but Um, That's kind of how I feel about this game.
0: Yeah, and I know um, our guy Brian Andrews, he's got to run here in a little bit. So, Brian, I'm going to give you the mic. I don't know if you have anything, you know, kind of actionable in this game that you're eyeing. If not, you can just kind of give people a early best bet as we'll be rolling into that segment here in a little bit. So as far as this archers game, anything there or, um, you know, just something that you got for the folks on your way out?
3: Yeah, I also – we all have the Archers plus two and a half, but I also took the Chrome future while it was still at plus 2,000, which is still looking like an absurd line. So I don't feel like I should put any more money on these two teams this week. Um, It's funny, we talk about not betting the board, but we found so many advantages this week that I feel very – I feel overexposed, you know, because we just have so much stuff going on and the books kind of made a little – a few errors because they put out lines very early. Um, So, yeah, I'm not looking at anything in particular in this game – uh, it would be interesting to see the Archer's offense against the Chrome with Schreiber at attack if that if that stays or, like, isn't a training camp, you know, trick, I guess. But I, I, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this one. And my, my personal best bet on the way out is just the, the Atlas Redwoods under 24 and a half. So I don't have any, like, pearls of wisdom here.
0: Yeah, and you can always scroll back if you want to. uh, After this, uh, we're done going live here on our Twitter space. You can always go back and listen to the entire episode recorded in its entirety. Um, JB, before we get into best bets, man, I'll tell you what. The closer that we get to this game, I shouldn't be nervous about holding an Archer's plus two and a half ticket like I actually think Chrome is live to win this game. And it might just because be because I saw Heacock looking fucking yoked as hell. So I don't know if that was just got me like, damn, these guys aren't messing around. But, like, I low-key – I know that you're a dog guy just like me, a contrarian guy just like me. Um, I think Chrome
1: might be live here. Am I crazy? You're not crazy, honestly. And I was reading through Joe Keegan's kind of – Breakdown of training camp so far, and he he did kind of hit, had me thinking that the Chrome might be a little solid this year. He was saying Dylan Malloy kind of looks like a, a different kind of beast out there, leading the pack for the offense. And so I don't know this this Chrome team could come out and surprise some people. They've got J T Giles Harris back, that's a big pickup. They've got two solid goalies in Sean and Owen McElroy, who I think Owen's going to compete for a starting spot there. So I don't know. Like I, I do think the face off is a little of a weak spot. Connor Farrell is a big body, but can he do the, the little things to win face offs consistently? I do think that's something they have to, to clean up. But with Keacock, Malloy, and Jackson Moore, who I, I really thought had a breakout year last year as a rookie, then you you add Wiskowskis in there, like it it can get it could get pretty scary for the Chrome.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's why, you know, if if I
1: didn't have the Archer's two and a half ticket,
0: I mean, I'm still going to place on Chrome two and a half. I, I'm waiting to potentially be getting the best number that I can in this one um, just because you know m- maybe now with the aim at news people are going to come sweeping in on the chrome but I think if you, if you shop around you're going to get a decent number you'll probably have to lay like minus 130 um, 135 to get chrome plus two and a half and then we're setting ourselves up nicely because that archers screw up on a book that shall not be named was archers plus two and a half plus 115 so it sets up a beautiful middle opportunity if we have a competitive game here I, I think the chrome are, are coming in with a chip on their shoulder um, you know, even if I didn't have that archer's ticket, the way I look in this game is Chrome getting the two and a half i think uh, I think you might be in for an upset here in week one. I might even sprinkle a little bit there on the money line because I think the Chrome is live in this one. all right, boys, let's get into our best bets for the weekend Hutton I'm going to let you bat lead off and also folks listening into the space if you have any actionable info you want to sprinkle on the way out hit that request button in the bottom left hand corner we'll get you in here before we wrap our favorite plays for the weekend would love to hear from you so Hutton floor is yours it's player prop palooza for Hutton Jackson
2: yeah I'm taking uh Lyles over three and a half points is that minus 115 when I last checked um, that's my best bet along with, you know, the Brad Smith over two and a half that I mentioned before. Um, I think the water dogs look good, but honestly, I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the cannons in this game. Um, I think it's going to be high scoring. So I, I, I'm expecting it to kind of, you know, tip t- t- towards the over, but yeah, my best bets Lyle over three and a half points. Um, you know, the water dogs are good. They have a solid defense, but Dylan Ward's not going to be in cage. I don't think, you know, having Matt DeLuca in cage in place of Dylan Ward is that big in terms of like choosing a side, but in terms of, uh, you know, betting a Lyle point prop, I, I think that helps a little bit. Um, so I'm expecting Lyle to go over his points prop at three and a half. Um, I'm thinking him and Bombary are going to, you know, have some great chemistry after playing with each other with the Swarm. They were with the Bayhawks previously. Um, you know, he's got a lot of chemistry, obviously, with Shane Jackson. This this Cannon's offense, I think, is going to be good despite losing some pieces to retirement. Um, Jake forcaro has been added to that team via trade. I, I just think this Cannon's offense is going to look good, and I think what could be their Achilles' heel is the defense. But um, I'm expecting them to get more possessions than last year, too. You know, Stephen Kelly and uh, Alex Woodall at the face-off stripe is a, a good a combo as you can probably get. Um, you know, I, those two guys probably aren't up at the same level as TD Erland or Trevor Baptiste in terms of, or you know, Joe Nardella. Um, you know, but I think a combo of them. Could give Jake Weathers some trouble. Um, I think Jake Weathers is still maybe the better face-off guy, but I just don't think there's going to be that big of a disparity in possessions that the cannon saw last year. So long way of saying give me Lyle over three and a half points. Don't ever bet against Lyle Thompson.
0: Yeah, it's uh, not hard to make a case for Lyle Thompson. JB, I like it because this is almost like a little – mystery best bet. We do a little rundown. I'll peel back the curtain for people tuning in. We do a little rundown. We write some of our thoughts so we're not, you know, crazy rehashing anything. And under our favorite plays for the weekend, JB's space is blank. I know as a writer, man, you know, you can't be submitting anything blank there to FOS. You do a great job over there. Mystery best bet. My man, Justin Byers, got the floor.
1: Yeah, you know, heading into... This week, I had the Water Dogs as my favorite pick last week. I still feel confident in that pick. But something else I think I feel even more confident in is this Jeff T under four and a half total points. I just think this game is going to be defensively won by the Redwoods. And they're going to make a point to harp on Jeff T and make things difficult for him. I think four and a half is a little bit too high. If it were three and a half, I would completely stay away. But I feel like the, the Redwoods will be able to keep the Atlas in check, even though supposedly the Atlas, their, their offense is buzzing on all, all cylinders. But the Redwoods and what they've got going, they've just had the better sample size. So I'm going under Jeff T, four and a half total points as my favorite bet of this week. Let's roll.
0: Yeah, and my best bet ties into that very nicely because let's roll indeed. And to be specific, let's roll woods. Give me the woods on the money line in this one. I'm also going plus one and a half. This is a team that doesn't see many opportunities where they are underdogs. Last year, they were only underdogs in two games. Covered both of them, and I just think there's a little bit too much post-draft love for this Atlas side. We're forgetting what a solid team the Redwoods are. Last year, right out of the gate, they had a two-game weekend. Boom, two wins right out of the gate. There's precedence of them starting strong under Nat St. Lorette. Give me the one and a half. Give me the Woods on the money line. Best bet for me. Roll woods and uh, i also have a woods future um for for what it's worth uh, I, I i was able to have my guy b rad get a little great price for me a little plus 800 on the woods so uh yeah. feeling feeling pretty nice about that price
1: jb yeah that's a good one if if it were for my love for the water dogs right now I would be all in on this Woods team. I, I will sprinkle a future on them because I do think that from top to bottom they are the most complete team. I wouldn't say they're the most talented, but they have all the spots that they need to be successful filled. And I think that goes a long way. So I love this Woods team. I love what they did in the draft as well, getting the Kyle Montgomery. That's a steal. That, that automatically gives you a little bit of offense and a little bit of athleticism between the lines. And of course, we know what the, the Woods can do defensively as you know, that's, that's their MO. And of course, Kavanaugh, anytime you got a Kavanaugh on your roster, no matter what level of lacrosse it is, you're bound to be successful. So I would, I wouldn't mind seeing the the woods kind of break through this year, but of course I'm going to roll my dogs to start things off.
0: I respect it. I respect it. All right, so you guys just got our thoughts on the NLL, on the PLL slate. So now it's time to hear some of your thoughts. You can hit that request button. Would love to hear from you. We're going to welcome in some of our listeners here, give some of their thoughts on the slate. Ty guy, my guy, I'm, I'm actually uh, Hutton JB. You guys don't know this, but me and Tyler, we're playing a little summer lax together. Team one, love, baby. And uh, we're going to be hanging out down close. Together. So Tyler, I'm excited for that. I might even be a little bit more excited to hear what you're eyeing for this weekend in lacrosse action. What's up, my guy?
4: What's up, teammate? Yeah, how we how we feeling, guys? Yeah, I'm glad to be back. It's been a minute. But yeah, I got a few picks. I definitely liked what all you had to say. These player props are gonna keep me a very happy camper all summer long, I have a feeling. Um yeah, some player props. I think I was eyeing up. I definitely liked uh, Rob Pinnell over three and a half. I think that, you know, Redwoods are a very good team, but I feel like the ball, you know, on the attack side moves through Pinnell mostly. I also, sneaky, water, you might say I think I'm crazy, but in the Water Dogs matchup, Mikey Schlosser over one and a half is plus 110. I could see him catching at least a step down and getting an assist. Um, I'm also definitely liking the under and the Atlas Redwoods. And if Redwoods, um, excuse me, if the redwoods is plus one and a half and minus one thirty five I mean I'm a little atlas biased so I might take Atlas in the money line just to see how that goes and I'm also like the water dog straight up
0: boom so and also i'm I'm on that Mike yes prop as well I, I forgot to mention that earlier just when I saw it, I was like, Anytime you give me anybody one and a half, it doesn't take you much to, like, talk me into it. Like, because you never know, dude. You get a you get some transition going. Um, you know, you get rolling. You get a little swag in your step. And, and Mikey was also, like, low-key fire last year on getting the Water Dogs where they were going and getting that one seed late in the year. So I like all those looks, Ty guy. I can't really co-sign any Atlas love here early in the year, though I will say uh, that was one of my favorite money-making teams in the last year so uh hey dude looking forward to playing some lacrosse with you this summer and uh, you know we'll be betting all along the way so thanks tyler appreciate it brother absolutely thanks for having me on and uh go one love baby yeah go one love indeed let's keep rolling before we wrap this for the evening here let's welcome in our guy brandon what's up brother what are you eyeing this weekend nll pll uh you sprinkling some futures what's up in your life man
5: yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm looking at the PLL week one. We don't really know what we're getting, just sprinkling. Uh, my best bet of the week is Whip snakes minus 110. Thank you for tipping me off on that. Um, but after that, Dan, I am with you. Woods uh, plus one and a half and Woods Moneyline. I think the Atlas might be feeling themselves a little bit. Everybody's hyping them up after the draft and they're coming up against a group of grown men who had a good draft of their own. You talked about Arden Cohen, Nakai Montgomery. They also got Mitch Bartolo, and they signed Anthony DeMeo. I think that uh, you know maybe in the long run, Atlas might be better, but coming in right now from a purely psychological standpoint, I think the team that has a better chance of coming out all business are going to be the ones with a bunch of 10-year professionals on the roster that have done this for the last three years in the PLL. Um, the, the pick that you guys didn't talk about that I have right now is water dogs cannons over. So looking at the roster, we think the dogs are definitely going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, last year they split the series first game was 13, seven cannons in their very second game week, (laughs) week one, but in their second game ever around, they put up 13 on the dogs Uh, with Dylan Ward and cage next game. We have a uh, it was 19 to seven dogs over the cannons. Now that still brings us to 26. I'm thinking that the cannons are going to be able to get some better opportunities without Dylan Ward in cage. I think the dogs are definitely going to put the ball in the back of the net. So I think uh, on a purely, um, on a purely speculative level, I'm going with the over on there for a little sprinkle. Those are my three bets this weekend. Um,
0: thanks for having me on. Boom. RIP my wall after that first handicap, man. That was, that was succinctly done, and that got me hype as hell. Good stuff, Brandon. Thanks for hopping in. Always appreciate hearing from you. And uh, there you go. That's the thoughts for this week. In PLL and NLL action. If we didn't have a chance to get you in here, make sure you interact with us at bet on lacrosse at pro lacrosse bets. We would love to hear from you. And also keep your eyes peeled to at PLL bet because a little shameless plug for me. I got the uh, over and back show that's dropping tomorrow. First guest was Evan Malloy of the post game podcast. And um, to say the least, there was some creative editing that had to be done. So, what uh, you're going to not want to miss that. Uh, he gives a best bet on a future that he likes, a player that he's eyeing for MVP. We go through the entire slate and also drop some nuggets along the way with some hot takes that you've come to expect from the post-game guys. So it's me, Dan Alexander. It's Evan Malloy, and we'll have a different guest every week. You might just hear some folks that you're used to hearing here on Bet on Lacrosse. So stay tuned for that. As well so guys, great work here, guys and gals thanks for tuning in appreciate each and every one of you if you like what we do, just hit the like button make sure you you, uh, you know follow us here on Twitter um, and you know interact with us and tell people about what we're doing with bet on Lacrosse. that rising tide gonna lift all of those boats so we appreciate you for the crew for Justin Byers front office sports business writer for Hutton jackson pro lacrosse talk host. And Action Network producer, I'm Dan Alexander. Also, shout out to our guy, Brian Andrews. We'll talk to you next week, hopefully with a little more Skrilla in our pockets. Have a great week, everybody. Best of luck.